not only is it, uh, pardon me, the word and the authority of the Lord does not just operate from the pastor in the pulpit. In fact, the Lord God is in each and every one of us, and he's moving and operating, and he is working in each and every one of you. The Bible says that we are a body, and every part is essential. And so we believe here that the Lord is doing stuff in your life that is worthy to share because it's worthy to learn from. So this week we've invited Mr. Tony Wilson to come up and share about the goodness of the Lord. Won't you give him a round of applause? And actually, just applause for Jesus. Applaud to Jesus because God is so great, isn't he? God is so good. Go ahead. Put your hands together. Applause for the Lord. Applause to him. Amen. Maybe glorified, huh? You know, I, I got a verse I'm going to read because it's going to be about what God is doing here in my life. It's in Isaiah 30, 21. He says, your ears will hear me, will hear him. Right behind you, a voice will say, this is the way you should go, whether to the right or to the left. You know, a few years ago, I was sharing with the church. I was attending another church at the time. And I was, you know, after worshiping the Lord and praising the Lord. And, you know, I was just getting all into the message and into the service. And all of a sudden, I heard a voice go behind me. and said, what are you doing here? And I'm just like, you know, I must be hearing things. Because I looked back and I didn't see anybody. And he goes, I told you. I told you specifically that you were supposed to be at Jesus Christ Fellowship two months ago. And I go, you got to be kidding me. Is this you, God? Because I'm trying to figure out what, I mean, I'm in church. He says, but I told you I have specific work for you to go to Jesus Christ Fellowship. You're going to go there? And Johnny Square and his wife Vicky says, Pastor Rick and Julie... Alec and Beck going to be there. And I want you to go there because I'm calling you there. I'm sending you there. I says, yes, Lord. <laughs> he said, don't disobey me. And I, was, I did not know I was disobeying God. I thought I was doing the right thing. And sometimes we think we're doing the right thing a lot of times, but we need to hear, to this, hear the still, small voice of God. So we just thank God for that because, you know, when I see God doing what he's doing in this church, how he's beginning to grow the church and mature the people, I realize that God called me here for a specific reason. And the way he confirmed that to me is that he gave me a vision and then tell your pastor the vision of what I've given you. And then when I told pastor the vision, pastor John is the vision at the time, he goes, wow, nobody knew that. I said, I'm just telling you what he told me, Okay. That's it. I'm just telling you what he told me, and that was it. So I'm here because I'm here to tell, you know, people about Jesus Christ. I want to welcome you. Look, you know what I say? I love passing out bulletins. I love seeing your smiling faces. I love welcoming you into church. I love telling people that, that God loves you. And this is the church where you're going to learn, where you're going to grow, where you're going to hear about Jesus Christ. And honestly, Pastor Alec, you're doing a great job. I'm so proud of you and Pastor Beck. You guys, I knew you guys when you were not that young, but a long time ago. But praise the Lord for the work that God's doing. And thank you, Luke, for having the heart to go out and reach out and reach souls. Because I see that happening now. So I welcome you. So you, you know, you're here listening to the little Mexican dude tell you about all the great things that God is doing here at ESS Christ Church. Well, praise the Lord. Because he is doing great things. He is doing great things. And I want you to be excited about that. Be excited about what God wants to do in your life. Be excited about what God wants to do in the community of Fort Collins. Be excited about what God wants to do at Colorado State University. Praise the Lord. They had a tough game yesterday, but praise the Lord anyway, all right? God's good. So be excited. So give the Lord a hand praise. He's worthy. 
He's worthy. He's God. Ain't nobody like him. Amen. That's good. Tony has a boxing background. And he gets to hopping around like that. I stay away from him. I don't want to catch the... Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for this morning, Lord. And uh, coming with a thankful heart is, is not something really, Lord, that we just want to flippantly say. We don't want to just put that out there as if, yeah, that's how we know how we're supposed to pray. We're just supposed to be thankful at first. But no, Lord, this morning we're thankful. Because, <laughs> Lord, we put faith in two, two yellow lines on the, on the pavement. That the oncoming traffic is going gonna, is gonna to respect those lines and, and not drift over. And then all of a sudden it's lights out for us, Lord. We have faith in those two yellow lines. How much more faith do we need to have in you, Father? You got us here today. You woke us up this morning. You didn't have to do that. And for that, Lord, because of that, we're thankful. Because of the fact that we get to stand next to whoever it is we're standing next to. We get to sit in the pew that we're sitting in. Father, we don't ever want to take for granted how thankful and precious life is. We see it in newborn children. Lord, and we see lives well lived from birth to bereavement. And Lord, everything in between is, is worship to you. It is. It's an offering to you. So Lord, I just confess in this moment, Lord, the bad attitudes that I've had. <laughs> the times where I've said, oh, it's not this, it's not that. But Lord, it's exactly how you expected it to be. It's exactly how you said it was supposed to be. And Father, just like we looked at last week, everything works out for the good of those who love you, who entertain you, who entertain all three, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Well, this morning, Father, we entertain all three. We ask the Spirit to be in this place. God, because we can't move forward without you. I love this song because it's you speaking to us. It's saying, come to me. In this moment, would we take a second to just try to hear you say that to us? What would your voice sound like? What would your face look like, Father, when you're saying, come to me? You're saying that right now, Lord. And we want to full out sprint towards the throne. Because anything else is, is running towards death, Lord, and we don't want that. So, Father, if there's any division in this room, I pray that it's gone. I pray that you get it out. I pray that families become closer. Lord, I pray that couples um, and newlyweds become closer, Father. That friendships get tighter because that's what squeezes out the life of the devil or the enemy. Is when a people decides we're going to do this together. So, Father, be in this room. Push out anything that is not you. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. You guys are free to be seated. Almost said free to go. That would be weird, right? <laughs> hey, good worship. See you later. <laughs> right? <laughs> Thank you so much for being here this morning. Um, you know, I think I've done a poor job in the past couple weeks kind of commenting on what's going on down south. You know, we got these storms that have hit and ravaged the southern states, uh, Texas and Florida to be uh, exact. I got family in Texas. But I just want to say that, you know, as much as you 
can give, please do that. As much as you can pray for those places, please do that. There's a lot going on in our nation right now that... Um, we, we, we had those fires in California, Montana, Utah, all that. We got hurricanes and storms. I'll tell you what, like I don't want to be an alarmist or anything, but Jesus is coming. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Jesus is coming. Um, but just keep those people on your mind, right? The church is not only about the people inside, but we're more so about the people outside. Um, not only just in Fort Collins, right out these, outside of these walls, but obviously throughout the nation. So I just wanted to kind of start off by saying, I, I think I've done a poor job kind of hitting on that. Let's just make sure we, we pray for those people. Amen? Amen. Again, thank you so much for being here. You, you could have spent your time anywhere else, but you came and decided to be with us. Um, for that, I'm grateful. Every person who's in the seat, I'm very grateful that you're here. You're not here by chance. You're not. You're here for a purpose. And that purpose, ladies and gentlemen, obviously is to hear the Word of God. The Word of God is going to be preached. Um, my jokes don't save anybody. And they're not good at best, you know. They're just not good. But the Word of God is what changes you. Amen? Um, and you hear me say that every Sunday, and it needs to be said every Sunday. Because from Jump Street, I want you guys to hear the Word and not hear me. Okay? This is the part two of a... Uh, Second part of a two-part message that was just Romans 8, 28 through 30. Uh, 8, 28, 29, and 30. The first part of the message was last Sunday. And it's not going to go past two parts. This is it. But Romans 8, 28 was soul-packed. Alright? Soul-packed with stuff that I had to just stop and uh, pull out what was being said in that verse according to the Greek. And that's what really illuminated that verse, was looking at these Greek words through all of those, those words and seeing really what you get down to the, the last part of verse 28. It talks about this purpose, right? I want to let you know the back half of 28 is going to, be, is going to serve as a launching pad into 29 and 30, all right? But what has gotten us to this point, you see on the screen, Supernatural Selection Part 2, right? Maybe I see it and you guys don't. Oh, there it is, right on. Supernatural Selection Part 2. The Part 1 was the human condition, all right? We went through Romans 8.28 and we saw through the Greek that we pulled out this word love, we pulled out this word called. We pull out this word purpose. And also God being theos. Alright? All three. The word love in that um, scripture meant to entertain, to welcome, uh, to, to think dearly of, to be fond of. It says to love God. So if all things are supposed to work out for the good of those who love him, the good is an amazing conclusion. Alright? However, God's good is better than my great. Right? I remember saying that last week. My great and what I can conjure up, His good is way better than anything that I could even build. Meaning the highest that man could get doesn't even touch the lowest that God can get. Not even close. Not even close, right? But through that verse we see that things are supposed to work out when you entertain all of who God is. That's the group, the supernatural selection there. Ladies and gentlemen, natural selection, as we talk about it in this uh, realm of evolution, 
right? survival of the fittest. There might be some sort of evolution after what creation. There, there, there's got to be some kind of small-paced evolution. And I'm not going to get into all that today, all right, because that's a big subject. I ain't got time for it. I have time for it, but not on Sunday morning. Let me just say that. <laughs> evolution can't solve the issue of creation, of origin, of beginning. With all due respect, I did not flop up out of a sea, grow legs, and then all of a sudden, however many thousands or millions of years later, I got a beard and hair, and I'm up here talking to you guys, and hey, Jesus is way more detailed than that, yeah. all right? However, I'm talking about supernatural selection. What does that mean? That scripture tells us that we serve a supernatural God, amen? Hallelujah. Thank God for that. I'm so glad that he's above the natural, because in the natural, guess what? Sometimes I want to smack some people, all right? <laughs> that was supposed to be funny. But you guys are like, wow, I hope he doesn't slap me. No, I'd probably go to jail if I did. So I'm so glad that he's above the natural and he's in the supernatural. However, we are in the physical natural. But what his word says is that we were made in his image. We we're made in his likeness, right? So if he's a supernatural being and we are his children, guess what we are? Supernatural. We're made to operate in the supernatural. So you would think supernatural selection talks about God selecting people. To be honest with you, that's part of the equation. But guess what? Since I'm a supernatural being, I also have to select God. That's, it's two-way street. Supernatural selection, don't, don't get on this trail that it's God up there saying, you get in and you don't. That's not it. We'll get into those, to that uh, point when we read through 29 and 30. Because 29 and 30 bring up this thing that I've always wanted to talk about. And in my study, I started, well, I always wanted to talk about predestination from the pulpit. Because I believe that it's a doctrine. Well, the word shows that it's a doctrine that is kind of void and vacant of Christ's love. And yet it's running rampant in the church. We got entire movements based off of this word, predestination. So I jump into my study and I start trying to poke holes in this thing and saying, okay, where are the, uh, the, the false teachings? How can I speak to this moment or this point or to this point over here? And the Lord kind of slowed me down and he's like, hey, look. It's one thing to go at a problem from, in essence, the surface level of the issue. It's another thing to get at the root cause. Does that make sense? I don't know if I said that well. But sometimes you'll be talking to somebody and every other week it seems to be the same thing. You're like, oh my goodness, are we going to get over this or not? You know? <laughs> now I don't say that to you guys in my head when I'm talking to you throughout the week. Okay? But... There's things that I do habitually that just, I mean, you get back to the same place, you're like, what, what's the problem? Well, you go and you figure out that you've been trying to deal with the problem on a level that's not going to get at the root issue. So why get up on the pulpit and poke holes in predestination when the root issue is we don't really understand the seriousness and the depth of God's character? 
you understand who Christ is. You understand his character. You understand his mode of operation with people through the stories of the word. Then you understand what type of God he is in any false teaching, whether it be predestination or Calvinism or anything. Anything that is not the gospel of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. Not the gospel of Alex Square or Veronica Arnold or Alec Bailey. Anything other than the gospel of Jesus Christ. It just doesn't work. So I, I, I can be bold enough to get up here and say what I'm going to say. Let the Spirit speak through me. Um, and if I get an email and you guys disagree, just go back to the Word. Alright? Because I can't skip over the Scripture. This is one that I would love to preach, but I also would love to skip over it. be honest with you. Because it's a hot topic for some people. So you guys with me at this point? I'm not necessarily going to poke holes and spend time going through the doctrine of predestination. What I'm going to do is show you through this scripture, it uses the word predestined. And what does that mean according to scripture and according to God's character? Jesus' character. That's about the only thing that we need to be concentrated on. I tried to explain this in first service. I don't know if I did a good job with it, but... What's the point of talking about something that needs fixing? And we'll put the thing that needs fixing over here. It's right here. It's this table. Okay? But what I'm going to do is I'm going to come over here and I'm going to sit down and I'm going to plan. And I'm going to look at that thing and I'm going to talk to people about how to fix it. And then uh, I'm going to sit and think about the first step and then the second step. And then imagine in my mind what I'm going to do to fix Oh my gosh. I get tired even explaining that. Why don't we just step over to the thing that needs fixing and handle it? Does that make sense? Let's just talk about truth and not everything else that's around truth that might be right, excuse me, almost right, but isn't right. So I hope that makes sense. Let me just read 28 through 30, even though our text for today is going to be 29 and 30. So it says this, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to, the, uh, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Verse 29, For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son, so that He would be, excuse me, the firstborn among many brethren. Verse 30, and these whom he predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, I explained to you guys the back half of verse 28. Called according to his purpose is a launching pad into verses 29 and verse 30. And why is that? Well, because last week we looked at this word purpose, which in the Greek it's prothesis. And there's three definitions of that, three interpretations. Prothesis means to be in view, to set in view of, uh, to be in front. And the last one is the showbread. Okay? The first two make sense, right? Your purpose to be in view, to be set in front of. But when the showbread gets lumped in there with the definition of this word, it sent me on a track to figure out what in the heck the showbread was, alright? I didn't know. And that's okay, because I know now. 
and it's good. The showbread is 12 loaves of bread that represent the 12 tribes of Israel that when Israel came up out of exile, the Lord gave the nation of Israel um, basically instructions to rebuild the, the altar, the, the, the tabernacle, the temple, um, Jerusalem. You get the whole book of Nehemiah with the wall. All right? All of these instructions are given. Well, in the midst of all of that, God tells these people in Exodus 25, I want to say 25 to verse 30. Verse 30 is kind of the kicker of the whole thing. That I want you to make this table that's just covered in gold. And what this table is supposed to do is supposed to sit in the tabernacle. And what's supposed to sit on that table is these 12 loaves. But you get to verse 30 and it says that these 12 loaves are a representation of being in God's presence 24-7. Those loaves of bread were supposed to be on that table seven days a week, 24 hours a day. And they got switched out. It wasn't the same loaves for 12 years or 10 years because that'd be gross. All right? But they got switched out. But it's a representation of saying, look, if everything works out for the good of those who love God and who are called, invited, that's what called is in the Greek, kletos, invited to his purpose. And what is his purpose? Uh, called according to his purpose. To be in his presence 24-7. You remember that from, from last week? Do you think sitting in God's presence has anything to do with idle hands? Not at all. Now, some of you might have coffee, a drink, whatever. Picking on somebody in first service who had Starbucks. But the Lord never said, get your Starbucks, sit down, and just hang out. Alright? There's a purpose for you when you are in His presence 24-7. Now, He might say, stop. He might say, slow down. I need you to pause for a second. But he did not create each and every one of you individually to just exist. You're not here just to be here. You're here and your purpose, okay, is to be in his presence 24-7. What you're called to while you're in his purpose is totally different. But if you don't know what your purpose is, let me tell you, rest in him. He'll tell you what to do when you're there. You guys got that? There's no way. That while you're sitting there in God's presence, he is not going to ask you to do something with what he's given you. And what has he given you? Number one, Jesus Christ. Sitting right here behind your sternum. The power that raised him from the dead is sitting in you. You think that's supposed to just be idle? <laughs> no. Okay? So understand that. We get to these two verses here. And we're going to pull out some more words because it's good. English language doesn't really do a good job of helping us understand the word. I say that all the time. The Greek does. But are you guys with me up until this point? Hopefully that you, hopefully you are. So we get to verse 29. And we see another for those. And God is very if-then in the Bible. And he's like that for a reason. Because he wants you to know that when you partake, when you participate, stuff comes back. When you participate in a way that's not according to the word, guess what? Stuff does come back, but it's not exactly what you want, right? It's a principle. There's a lot of if-then in the Bible. He's saying for those who, 
It's a group of people, but it's a group of people according to what is being said afterwards. For those whom he foreknew, which in the Greek is uh, prognoska. And it has a couple definitions, a couple translations. It means to have knowledge of beforehand. Okay? And the second, which I think gets a little bit misunderstood, is this. Of those whom God elected to salvation. Alright? Now I just got done explaining to you guys the point of the title. Supernatural Selection. That it's not only from God to us, but it's from us to God. Okay, that's huge. We, we, we can't, can't miss that. But the character of Christ says to us from Genesis to Revelation that he came to seek and save the lost. Right? Anyone in here? He came to seek and save the lost. All of them. All of them. Not just a select few. Not just somebody who he deemed worthy. Alright? To be honest with you, none of us are worthy. <laughs> but we're only worthy because of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. Amen? So, that second definition, those whom God elect to salvation, do you know that the group of people is everyone? And I'm not just trying to say that to be like, oh, we don't want to leave anybody out, blah, blah, blah. No, that's Christ's character. You know, he rebuked, I used this scripture last week, he rebuked some of his disciples in Matthew, uh, I think it's Matthew 25. Don't quote me on that. I'm drawing a blank here, but I know it's in Matthew, alright? It's in the Bible somewhere. It's in Genesis, you know. <laughs> but his, um, it, it was in reference to the Holy Spirit basically standing in the gap and praying for us. Do we know how to pray? Mm. Is praying a good thing? Yes, but do we know how to pray well? Do we want to do Christian things? Yes, but can we do Christian things well? Is that, is that, does that make sense when I say that? So Jesus rebukes his two disciples because something happened to where Jerusalem denied Jesus coming. And his disciples, Jesus just wasn't received. His disciples get all up in arms. And they say, Lord, do you want us to bring down fire and brimstone on them and just wipe them out? And Jesus rebukes two men that had been walking with him for three years. To be honest with you, I wouldn't want to be rebuked by Jesus. But he rebukes them and just says, do you not know where you're from? That we, excuse me, that I did not come to destroy man. But I came to build man up. See, that's a comment that comes out of Christ's mouth. And it gives you an idea of who Christ is. So, salvation is for everybody according to what Scripture says. Because He came for everybody. He came for all mankind. Not just a select few. But, that first definition, those whom He foreknew, to have knowledge of beforehand. Alright? I'm going to bring this cross-reference up on the screen real quick. It's Jeremiah 1, uh, 5. I'm not going to bring it up, but you guys up there are. Thank you so much. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Whew. Right? 
And before you were born, I consecrated you. And I have appointed you a prophet to the nations. We're going to get a chance to read in Galatians 1, verses 11 through 15, Paul basically making the same statement. Before I was born, God called me to this. Psalms 139, verse 13. Famous verse for, I knitted you together in your mother's womb. Right? So before you were even a twinkle in your parents' eye, before you were even born, Christ knew you. He knew what he was putting in you. And, you know, we got Claudia sitting right here. There's no other Claudia in the world. Amen. There's no other Luke in the world. Right? There's no other Clay in the world. There's no other Stacy in the world. Hallelujah. What he did is he made you according to what he wanted. He foreknew, he knew in advance how he wanted to make you. And he knew you before you even knew yourself. Isn't that special? And that isn't my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. That's what the scripture's saying. Hey, wow. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Does that sound like a group of people that God stood up on his throne and selected and said, yep, I knew you guys were going to uh, accept me. I knew you guys were going to make these decisions. And I knew you guys weren't. See, that's the problem with predestination. It doesn't reconcile free will to who Christ is. And this selection. Right? How much would it be a travesty if you were just, well, let me say it like this. If God knows everybody who's going to accept Christ, then why go evangelize? Why say anything to anybody about Jesus if he already knows? Oh, well, I mean, then he just wants us to be a part and, you know, have a relationship. But you guys don't understand the seriousness of our part because he did his part. But he's not going to force you to do yours. Amen to a God who doesn't force me to love him. But guess what? Made it possible. Gave me access. Gave us access. Does that make sense? Why talk to God then if he knows exactly what you're about to say before you say it? What's the point? Why pray? Why have a conversation? Why let it be a relationship? When it's him just up there kind of saying, all right, I knew you were going to say that. I hope you can just stop talking so I can talk back to you. It's not the type of God you serve. You have a God who longs to hear from you. And he longs to speak to you. And he longs to say, come to me. Get to know his character and you'll understand what type of God you serve. And every truth in the Bible will run alongside each other. Parallel. It's not going to butt heads. Amen? Amen. You guys with me up until this point? Nobody's falling asleep? Well, maybe some of you guys are. Awesome. So we got foreknew. For those whom he foreknew, and here is the big word, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. I'll stop right there. This word predestined, a simple definition of it is predetermined. And that's okay. 
If it's in the Word, then we have to look at it, but we have to look at it in context. Predetermined. What is this saying? I knew you before you were knitted in your mother's womb. I knew you while you were being knitted in your mother's womb. And He also predestined, predetermined you to look and be conformed, excuse me, conformed, a simple de definition of that word is just to comply. He set up beforehand, as He made you, to work correctly when you're connected to Him. He predetermined your function. He predetermined your form. God figured out that I was going to be quirky and you know, have this curly hair and... and Legs are not really straight and one hips out this way. And I mean, he doesn't create us out of whack. I'm not saying that. I just made that myself sound like I'm just <laughs> this broken thing. <laughs> he doesn't create you to be out of whack. But what I'm saying is that this form, he predetermined you to look the way that you're looking. He also predetermined your function. And what is your function? Your function comes to light when it's plugged into the source. I can take a hose, ladies and gentlemen, and I have a truck, and I love to pull stuff. I do. I mean, just random things. See that bush over there? Let's just hook it up. Let's just pull it out. I got people screaming at me because I'm just pulling stuff all over the place, right? If I took a hose and hooked it up to the back of my hitch and then tied it to something and tried to pull it, the hose would break because this is not what it's used for. It's not. You need a toe strap with some beef to it, okay? But the moment I hook that hose up to the source, to a spigot, there's so much, so much biblical implications to this right now. And water runs through it. The water, oh man. I'm not even gonna jump into that. The hose is exactly, it's being used for exactly what it was intended to be used for. I'm not calling you guys hoses in here, okay? <laughs> garden hoses, alright? But when you're connected <laughs> I gotta stop. <laughs> when you're connected to the source, when you're in his presence 24-7 you begin to function the way that he caused you to function. Or he purposed you to function. Does that make sense? He predetermined that. And that's okay. That's where predestination for me sits according to the scripture. So he predetermined us to be conformed and comply. Okay, that's, that's a word that people are kind of like, mm. same thing with authority in my generation. It's just like, we just don't like authority. I don't know what that is, but authority is good. But to comply, that word is a little edgy. But it's okay. He predetermined you to comply to his rules. He predetermined you to comply to his principles. He predetermined you to function in a way that you will function on 100% of who you are when you are connected and conformed to what? His image. At the end of your life, you're going to look just like him. He predetermined the end for you. So not only did he predetermine the form, he predetermined the function, he predetermined the final resting place. I'm just coming up with these F analogies right now, right? He predetermined the finish line. And the finish line looks just like Jesus. 
So I got Thomas back there in the, in the back. And let's just say Tom is representat uh, representative of a point in time where you accept Christ. And up here is what it means, what this verse is saying. That at the end of your life, you're going to look just like Christ. Here's the end goal, is up here. For me to Tom, is a straight shot. I mean, you'd have to like hop over pews and be a serious athlete to not break your neck to, you know, fly the way the crow flies. But there are umpteen ways he could get up here. I mean, he could go outside and come back in this way. He could fly through the window. You know what I'm saying? He could, I could totally see this rappel down from the roof, you know, and get here. The Lord knows every single decision. Say this. The Lord knows the outcome of every single decision. Why? Because the outcome of every single decision when you give your life to Christ is looking just like Christ. But he does not know which way you're going to choose. He leaves that up to you. Because the easy route for Tom would just be, get up, come on down, right? Down the aisle. How often do we choose the easy path? We're human. We got flesh that we fight with. We read that in chapter 7. It's two natures, right? Being set on the flesh, mindset on the flesh, and mindset on the spirit. Mindset on the spirit. I'm not saying it's going to be easy to get up here, but I'm saying path of, of least self-inflicted resistance. <laughs> Does that make sense to you guys this morning? The Lord knows the outcome of every single decision. It's been predetermined because everything under the sun is not new. There's nothing new under the sun. He knows it all. He does. So, he gives us a choice, which is the love story, ladies and gentlemen. Supernatural selection, not only does he choose us, but we have to choose him. He doesn't make us choose him. But we have to choose him. In, you guys with me? Yeah? It says this, so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. Now what does that mean? There's a lot of historical significance to that. However, let me just be very to the point with this. Jesus was not the first to die, but he was the first to conquer death. He was the first to raise from the dead. Right? So what this verse is pointing to is Jesus being the firstborn, the first who conquered death to many brethren. All right, When you accept Christ into your life, what did we read? Mm, ten verses up above about adoption. We are adopted into the family. That's the many brethren. I always joke with my um, brother-in-law when him and my sister first got married. For whatever reason, I thought it was brethren. B-R-O. So I just called him brethren all the time. Like, he's, he's my brethren guy. <laughs> but, it, you know, different spelling. Brethren. The brethren. But it just means the family. It just means the, the, the multitude. All right? How can Christ be the firstborn among many brethren? Well, he conquered death. And when you accept him into your life, he then becomes the firstborn in your life as well. Does that make sense? I hope that that makes sense this morning. So we understand what this scripture is saying.
And then verse 30, and those, and these whom he again predetermined, predestined, he also called. And these whom he called, he also justified. And these whom he justified, he also glorified. If you could with me real quick, turn to Galatians 1. And I'm sorry I don't have this up there for you. Um, but this is Paul speaking. Now Paul's the one who wrote Romans. If you know anything about Paul, Paul spent a lot of time persecuting Christians. And now he's responsible for 80% of the New Testament. Right? Again, this scripture up on the screen. And those, excuse me, and these whom he predestined, the ones who he predetermined, he predetermined their form, their function, and their final resting place. Now, when I say predetermined final resting place, let me just make this clear so we don't get off on a, a wrong track with that. You, salvation is for everybody, but you've got to choose that. And there's a predetermined place for you if you don't. So, I hope that's clear. And I don't, I don't want words to be minced with that. There's a heaven and there's a hell. You don't choose heaven. There's a place that is not that fun. Okay? We want to go to the fun place. Amen? Amen? Black and white with it. Black and white. But Galatians 1, 11 through 15 says this. This is Paul defending his ministry. Okay? The I in this is Paul. It says, For I would have you know, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my former manner of life in Judaism. How I used to persecute the church of God beyond measure and try to destroy it. And I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries among my countrymen. Being more extremely zealous for my ancestral, uh, ancestral excuse me, traditions. But when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me through his grace, was pleased to reveal to his son, to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. Called through grace. You guys have heard me give the gospel presentation up here before. And just say, you know, maybe you've been moved by the message and you've never given your life to Christ before. And we, we move through that progression. See, Christ is the only one who can change your heart. He's the only one who can change your heart. But you understand that he calls you to that point through grace. Just like he called Paul through grace. Now what is grace? The ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. You cannot get yourself to a place where all of a sudden you're ready. God calls you to that place, place and then, then what? It's an invitation. You also have to accept the invitation. Seriously. You've got to be letting go of all of who you are and saying, Christ, I can't do this on my own anymore. And you accept Christ in that moment. Again, He didn't force you to do that. But he's the only one who can get your heart there. He's the only one who got Paul's heart there. Paul got knocked off a horse. Blinded for three days. In those three days, the boy still had a choice. 
you, ladies and gentlemen, me, we have a choice. Is our supernatural selection God or is it man? As a human, the human condition of that is to be in God's presence 24-7. But when you're in His presence, form should follow function. You guys with me? Now let me show you how this connects, <laughs> I love it, to the rest of Scripture. Uh, one book over. Ephesians. Now Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 is the model that we follow here at Jesus Christ Fellowship. And I'm going to read this to you. The whole thing. And I want you to pick out in here how this functioning, your peace, is so important. Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And he gave some as apostles, some as prophets, some as evangelists, some as pastors and teachers for a purpose, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature that belongs to the fullness of Jesus Christ. That's the bar. 14. As a result, we no longer, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind or doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness in deceitful scheming. But, verse 15, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into Him who is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, for whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according, here we go, to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. The measure of the stature. I'm not the measure. Thank God I'm not the measure. The pastor up front, his personality, the people in the back, that's not the measure. The, the, the perfect family, that's not the measure. I'll be honest with you, there is no perfect family. The measure of the stature that belongs to Jesus Christ for a purpose, right? Because when you're in his presence, your purpose is to be in his presence 24-7 and you've been formed and your function has been predetermined to work correctly. When you're in his presence, the proper working of each individual part causes what? The growth body to be built up in nothing else other than love. Are you with me this morning? Amen. So predestination, I mean, there's, there's more to it. I would love to poke holes in it, but that's not what I'm supposed to be doing today. I'm supposed to be proclaiming the word and showing you from a different angle God's character and how not only has he, yes, predetermined you to look a certain way, at the end of your life. But he's also predetermined your function. You know why it's so hard right now in areas of your life? Even my life? Because I'm not operating in the function that was predetermined for me. Your purpose is different than your calling. But the end of these verses in 30, uh, end of this verse in verse 30, 
Let's read the whole thing. And those whom he predestined, he also called. All right? And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. That makes perfect sense after reading chapter 6 and chapter 7 of Romans. Where we are justified because of his blood and not because of our works. I'm called by him. I'm justified by him. And guess what? All chapter 8 is being glorified. Is, is, is God being glorified, excuse me. The power of God being glorified. So I'm going to go all the way back to the title. Look, if he's a supernatural God, and I'm his child, then I'm a supernatural being. So supernatural selection, ladies and gentlemen, not only comes from God to us, but us to God. But the God condition is this, that he set you up to operate a certain way. He predetermined you to function correctly when you're in his presence. So I'm just saying, don't step out of it. There's times where we willingly say, you know what, God? I'm not going to be in your presence right now. We may not say it audibly, but I tell you what, we think it, we, our actions show it. I am guilty. Everybody in here, we're guilty. So my encouragement for you this morning is this. Move from being outside of the presence of God to doing everything you can to just being with Him. Because what He has put in you comes to life when that happens. What He predetermined your function to be right here, all of a sudden the switches turn on, the lights turn on. You operate correctly. Now I'm going to say this. <laughs> it's not going to be easy. Nobody said it's all cake and candy and all of a sudden... When you are in his presence, everything is just smooth. No, not, not saying that. But I'll tell you what, you'll know how to fight. You'll know how to swing your sword. You'll know how to rebuke things in the spirit that need rebuking because we're not talking about a surface level problem. You remember me making that analogy? We're getting at the root of it. When you're in his presence, you can get at the root. Amen? Amen. Well, let's get our worship team back up here. Um, let's get prepared for our offering. Uh, I'll be honest with you guys. It's, it's almost a privilege to be predetermined. Especially by a God like the God we serve. To be predestined to look just like Him. Hallelujah. That means I can't go so far off into left field that there's no way of coming back. Oh. And that's just like, thank you, Lord. <laughs> But I tell you what, for us to understand the significance of that helps us understand more of what I was made to be, who, who we were made to be. Um, and it's almost diagnostic in nature. When things aren't clicking well, just take a second and be like, man, am I, you guys can come up here, am I in his presence right now or am I not? It takes you from thinking about you to thinking about Christ. And it's, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Thank you for helping this morning. Let's pray for this right quick. Father, thank you so much for uh, just the opportunity to, to give, the opportunity to uh, just be in fellowship with, with everybody this morning. Um, Lord, we want to honor you with... 
Lord, just what you say in your word about releasing things from our care to you. And Lord, we know that money is all yours. It's all yours, Father. But we want to worship you in the way that we release it. And we want to glorify you in the way that we use it. And so, Father, I just pray that from what gets put in the plate today, it can be from a place of glorifying you, but also a joyful heart. And Lord, it can be used to bless you, to further your work in this church. So we love you. Lord, we thank you. And ask that you would bless the offering. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead. I'm going to be praying for you guys now is that <laughs> I'm, I, I say this maybe once every couple weeks but that the Lord really starts heightening the, the level of spiritual activity in your life some of you probably looking at me like pastor please don't say that <laughs> I'm good right now things are good but I'll tell you what if he created you to operate a certain way then what I'm praying is that that operation would make itself more known on a daily basis. That when he taps on your shoulder that there's a response that comes quicker than, ah, no Lord, I'm good. Not today. I gotta buy these cookies in the, at Safeway right quick. I'll talk to them next time. Are you guys with me this morning? That's what I'm gonna be praying for for you. He predetermined your function and when you're in it, man, I'm telling you, there's something about that that lifts me up. We cannot do this without each other. We can't do this without Christ. Because when you step in 24-7 and I see you working, whew, man, I'm like, let me go talk to somebody about Jesus. Let me just find somebody. Because I see my sister doing it. I see my brother doing it. And it builds each other up. So just respond. That's my prayer for you guys is to respond quicker. Because he set it up that way. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand to our feet. As we close in this song, I'll give you all the, the benediction here in a moment. Hey. Father, we thank you, Lord. Again, just like at the beginning of this service, we want to come with a thankful heart and not let that be something that falls by the wayside today or we, we take for granted or we, we just don't think about really how blessed we are we have a God who is so concerned about us that you made it easy for us you created us to work a certain way and when we're in your presence everything works out for the good of those who love you and those who are invited to be in your presence Father, I just pray that you would raise up in each individual today more of a, uh, an understanding of their peace. That the proper working of each individual part is what you're after, Father. That we look like the measure of the stature that belongs to you. And the reason for that is so that we can be equipped, Father, so that we're not tossed here and there by everything that is said to us. But Lord... so that we can build each other up with love being the goal with you being the goal I, 
I just pray that you would increase the spiritual conversations that happen, Lord, not only from us to you, but us with each other. That you're the only thing that we really can let come out of our mouth. <laughs> but God, let us, let us just run in it. Let us be covered in it. I am a spiritual being who gets to commune with my spiritual father and walk about this world looking at things through a spiritual lens and not through a natural lens but through the lens of the word and the lens of your spirit so father this morning we love you we thank you we need you pray that you would be with us as we go from this place in jesus name everybody said amen you guys are free to go thank you so much for coming